Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it's good to see you. We want to welcome our online campus. My name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here. What an exciting weekend. This weekend, we remember, it's Memorial Day weekend, we remember those who have laid down their lives so that we can have freedom. I want you to grab your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to read my favorite um, psalm in the Old Testament as it relates to families. And as you're turning there, I thought we'd just begin with a little humor, um, kind of lighten things a little bit, since today is a fun day. It's a great weekend. And I, I heard this story about these two men that were having a debate uh, about something very, very important, and that is whether there's baseball in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Do we have any baseball fans out there? <clears throat> All right. Um, so as they began to kind of debate back and forth, they made this decision in an agreement, and the agreement was, okay, they said this, okay, whoever passes away first, whoever dies first, they have to come back to earth and tell the other person whether or not there is baseball in heaven indeed. And so it just so happened a few months later that um, one of them had passed away. And true to his word, he came back to visit his friend. And when he showed up, he said, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey, you came. He said, yes. He goes, I hear and I have good news and bad news. He said, really? Well, what's the good news? Yes. He said, good news is this. There is baseball in heaven. And his friend's like, yay. He said, the bad news is you're scheduled to pitch on Thursday. Take me out to the ballpark. <laughs> All right. You know what? I want you to stand to your feet as we read a passage in Psalm 127. As you're turning there, before we read this together, I want to read the first two verses to you because I love this passage. And we don't have them for you to see, but I just want to read them to you. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city... Guarding it with centuries will do no good. Unless it's useful, it, or, sorry, it is useful for you to work. Okay, let's try this again. It is useless. This is my third service. Pray for me, will you? It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. And that's where we pick up on our verse today. You ready? I want you to read this with me. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, let's all read together. Those of you online, why don't you join us? Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gate. We've been talking about family matters. Family matters to God. Family matters here at Higher Vision. And I want you to do something, if you will, at this moment. To just close your eyes and open your heart. To say, just Holy Spirit, come and speak to me. Lord, we know the Bible teaches us that sometimes the word comes, but it doesn't really impact us because it lands on hard ground, which is our heart. Sometimes on ground, our heart, which is choked out by the cares of life or the love of riches. But Lord, we want our hearts to be good ground. So Lord, remove the stones, remove the hardness, 
and soften us to hear your truth. I pray that you would anoint me to speak these words today. Anoint me, God. And I pray that when we walk out of this room or when we turn off our computer, that today we will truly know that we have heard you. Lord, make us arrows. Let us reach our target, our destination. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we we worship you. We make room for you now. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated today. Now maybe as soon as I begin to talk about children... Inside your heart went, oh, because you're not a parent. You don't have kids. Or maybe you're here and you are married, but you've been unable to have children. Let me just tell you, whether you are a child or you're not, this message is for everyone. In fact, did you know that the Bible says that you and I are children of God? And if children are arrows, that means not only are your kids arrows, you're an arrow. Say, I'm an arrow. Now, the question is, and and we know that the Bible says that God puts the lonely into families, that he's a father to the fatherless. So every one of us, whether we have children or we don't, this message is for us because we're going to learn this idea. You see, when I heard this passage the first time and when I thought about it, my first thought is if children are arrows, my first thought was where do I point? Where do I shoot? But the reality is, is you really shouldn't shoot an arrow until you first address the more important question, which is, what kind of arrow should I shoot? Because there are different types of arrows. Some are longer, some are shorter, some have certain types of tips. Some are made of wood, some are made of fiberglass. And so today, I want us to address the question, if we're to shoot arrows, not just what's the target, but What should the arrows be like? What should our children grow up to be like? What should you and I be like if we are called to be arrows? So today, I want to take this story in Psalm 127, this passage, and I want to break down and talk with you about arrows. In fact, today, I brought a bow and arrows. All right? Don't get nervous. I'm not going to shoot, okay? There are different parts of an arrow, four different unique parts, the shaft, the feathers, this ending piece called the knock and the point. We're going to talk about all four of those. We're going to take this passage and we're going to learn about arrows. You ready for point number one? Point number one is simply this. Arrows are selected. We write that down. Arrows are selected. You see, before you can shoot an arrow, you need to understand something. When this passage was written... There was not a Dick's Sporting Good or a sports chalet. You couldn't get online and order from arrows.com, right? Because in those days, they didn't have those. So the archer had a responsibility to create, select, and create their own arrows. So here's how the process would work. They would go into the wilderness, and they would grab a bunch of sticks. They would look at trees and actually select certain branches off of trees. And they would look for the straightest branch they could find. They would look for the branch that had the least amount of, you know, knots in it. And then they would take all of those selected pieces of wood, all of those branches, they would bring them back and they would wrap them into a bundle and tie them up as tight as they could get them. 
Then they would take the bundle of selected sticks and twigs and they would take them into a very dark and dry place and let them dry out for an entire year. Now, I'm not going to take time to develop that thought, but it's interesting that you and I, before we can really serve our purpose, we have to go through the process. In fact, remember the days when you took a picture, but you had to go into the dark room and develop it before it was ready to be seen? And I think there's something to be said in this passage that you and I realize that our children, before they're ready to hit their target, you and I as children of God, we have to go through a process to prepare us. Amen? But let's talk a little bit about this idea of selecting the arrows, because they chose each arrow. It made me think of a passage in the Bible. If you have a Bible, it, it talks about sticks and twigs or branches, and it talks about selection. It's found in John chapter 15, verse 16. If you have a Bible, turn with me. If you don't, you can look on the screens, and here's what it says. Now, the context is God says, through Jesus, his son, he says, Jesus says, hey, by the way, guys, God is the vine, and you are the branches, all right? And then what does he say? He says, you did not what? You didn't choose me, but I what? Chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. The context is what it's trying to really tell us here, and there's a lot packed into this verse, but the point I want to draw out is this, and that is that you're not an accident. How many times have you heard a parent without realizing it, you know, maybe they have a child that is way, you know, younger than all the rest of their siblings, maybe nine years, eight years, ten years, and they say, oh, yeah, they were an accident. Now, they don't really mean they were an accident. They were an unexpected blessing. How about that? But can I stop and make this point? Listen, God, the Bible tells us, he knew you before you were born. In fact, the Bible says that he, he made you fearfully and wonderfully. In fact, before you were ever even created, ever even a thought in the heart of your parents, did you know that he had already written down your life in his book? So the point we need to understand is if we're parents and we have children, you didn't just randomly end up with that child you have. God selected and created them and gave them to you. And not only that, you and I are not accidents. God selected and chose us. In fact, it reminds me of the story of my, my youngest son, Hudson. My youngest son, Hudson, is adopted. It's, you know, obvious because he's the only African-American in our family. When he was very, very young, when he was, you know, very, very little, my wife and I would always talk to him about that. And the reason we would do that, and I love the way my wife described it, Devet, she would say, Hudson, even though you didn't come out of mom's tummy, you came out of mom's heart. And one of the things that we would always point out to him is this, is, Hudson, listen, there's something unique and special about you because you're the only one of all the children that we have that we had the opportunity to choose you. We got stuck with the rest. Macy, Haley, Tanner, we love you, but we chose you. I want you to know, arrows aren't random. Arrows aren't accidental. Arrows are chosen. They're selected. In fact, I want to show you a beautiful verse that kind of talks about this idea. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Now, I'm laying a foundation of why this is important. 
Arrows, uh, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and what? Chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. So through Christ Jesus, our DNA is changed. We are now a part of the family of God through Christ. Why is that important? Well, you see, every arrow has four parts. And the point we're going to focus on first is the shaft. I read an article that was sent to me by Pastor Alex talking about children as arrows. And I'm using some of those thoughts in this message. And they suggest that the shaft of the arrow represents the identity of a child. You and I or our children. Why is that important? Well, here's why that's important. Because there's a lot of people in our culture, maybe people in this room or watching online, and you're always struggling with your identity. Who am I? I think a beautiful representation of someone struggling with their identity is Bruce Willis. I mean, Bruce Jenner. Yeah, that... that. (laughs) Bruce Willis is too. Is he Batman? Is he? You know what I mean. (laughs) Am I a man or am I a woman? Bruce Jenner's trying to figure out who is he? You know what I want to tell you? There's a lot of times in life where you and I will face moments of crisis. What is our identity? And if we don't know that we've been selected, if our identity isn't founded in the principle that we are children of God, we're going to grow up just like a generation did in the Bible. In Judges, if you read Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says that after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. You see, the children of Israel had an identity, and the identity was, these are the children of God. And God has brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, and everyone knows that they are the children of Yahweh. But unfortunately, another generation grew up who lost their identity, and because they lost their identity that they were children of God, they went through a season of the judges where the enemy came in and conquered their land. There was no leader. They were struggling. They were floundering. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of children in our culture. There's a lot of parents in our culture who are floundering in life, and the reason is is they don't realize that they've been selected and that they are literally a part of the body of Christ. They are the Son of God, and they have identity and that identity is Jesus Christ you see parents our job is to prepare our children by helping them to understand their identity comes through Christ my parents my whole life they weren't perfect parents But one of the things that they always said to me, and it was never a question for me, 
When I would have moments in my life when I felt like giving up, I had moments in my life where I'm like, hey, this Christianity thing, it's not working for me. I want to do my own thing. I went through moments like that in my life. I've had moments in my life where I've wanted to quit or walk away. There, there have been those temptations in my life. But every time that happens, something echoes out of my heart. And it's the voice of my mom. It's the voice of my dad. It's the voice of my heavenly father, which is that you are a child of God. God has a plan for you. Your identity comes through Christ. You belong to the family. And I want to tell you, it's time for us as parents to understand that we have a responsibility to shoot the arrow. And part of shooting the arrow is making sure that the arrow knows whose it is. There's a story in in an illustration that's told about Henry Ford, the one who created the Model T and company that we know of as Ford. One day, he and his wife were driving in the country, and they came across a man whose Model T Ford was broken down. This man was under the hood trying to figure out what was wrong. When Mr. Ford walks up, he didn't say who he was. He walked up, and he said, hey, can I take a look? And in just a few minutes, he repaired the Model T and got it running. The owner of the Ford looked at him and said, wow, this is amazing. He said, I'm amazing that you fixed it so easily. And he replied, I ought to be able to. I'm the one who designed it. You can hire the best therapist in the world. You can take your children to the the most qualified, notable, award-winning schools that money can buy. But they will never fly straight. They will never solve the internal challenge that is inside of them until you have helped them understand you're not an accident. You're not just something that will evolve into something. You are designed and selected and you are a child of God and your identity comes through Christ. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. I know that's worth a hand clap, amen, because it's true. But maybe you're struggling today. And instead of running to the foot of the therapist, and I'm not against therapy, but maybe you need to go to the designer. Because he created you. Arrows are selected. You ready for the second point? Second thing is, is this. Not only are arrows dropped, <laughs> not only arrows are selected, but you're ready for point number two. Arrows are, write this down, prepared. Arrows are prepared. See, the key to an arrow flying and hitting its target is it has to have a, a shaft that is straight. I remember... Growing up, making my own set of bow and arrows. How many of you have ever done that? And what do you do? You pick out twigs, you shave them down, and right, you shoot them out. And most of the time, they, you know, like that, and you shoot, and it goes that way. Because the shaft isn't straight, and it doesn't have feathers. That's the other part. There are four parts to the arrow. The first is the shaft, which we talked about as identity. And then there's the feathers or the fletchings. And the fletchings, the feathers are there to help make sure that the arrow has a draft to keep it on target to make it fly straight. So just as we need the identity, we also need, I believe that represents character. So not only do as children we need an identity through Christ, we need character from Christ. 
Let me tell you how an arrow was prepared by an archer in the days of, of this passage in Psalm 127. They would take those sticks that were, you know, bundled up tight and finally dried out. They would untie the bundle and take each stick out. And then they would begin to work on each and every shaft. And they would begin to scrape off all the bark that was on the outside. Once they'd scraped off all the bark that was on the outside, then they would take a knife and they would begin to cut off the knots and they would whittle it down from a larger size branch to the size of shaft that the arrow was supposed to be. Once they had done that and they got all the things that obstructed flight, then they would look at the arrow and realize that it was bent and twisted. So the next step in the process is they would build a tool called a wrench and they would make it out of bone, a hard, dense material. And they would, once they took the bone, they would drill a hole in it, carve a hole in it that was the size of the shaft. Then taking the bent, character warped, right, arrow, they would take the arrow in the areas where it was bent or twisted and they would put it over the fire. And as it was over the fire, it would begin to eventually, when it was heated up hot enough from the fire, it would begin to soften. And then they would put the arrow through the tool, the bone, to the place where it was bent and straighten it until it cooled. And once it was straightened, they could remove it. And the arrow then became straight. You know, the Bible tells us that as parents, it says in Proverbs Chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the word train is a Hebrew word, which means to narrow. I love this word, to initiate, but it also means to discipline. And it comes from a, a root word in the Hebrew, which means to throttle or to choke. So the Bible says, choke your children in the way... Not really, that's not what it says. <laughs> but what it's talking about is a shaping process. Could it be that the reason that our children... Could it be the reason that you and I so easily fly off course and make bad decisions and do things wrong is because our parents or we as parents, our thought is, well, let's just shelter our children. Let's just make sure that our children don't have to go through the things that we went through. Let's make sure that our children have all the stuff that we didn't have. You know, could it be that rather than trying to protect our children from the fire, could it be that instead of running from the fire, we need to let God use the fire? You know, the Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says that the fire purifies the gold. And so our trials, when our faith is tested, perfecting us like gold. My, one of my children <clears throat> had a passion to get a, a, a guitar, their own guitar. Now, I had a guitar that they could use, and I said, listen, you can use it as long as you want, but they wanted their own. And parents don't talk about So they got a job, and were saving all of this money to buy this guitar. But along the way, this child made a really bad decision, and in there, goofing around and having fun, they ended up damaging some property. 
And what they wanted to do was say, hey, dad, I'm really sorry for what I did. Could you pay for this? It just so happened that the bill for the damage was the same price as the guitar. Now, I could have let them run from the fire, protected the child from the fire, or instead used the fire. So I said, well, you made your bed, you're going to have to sleep in it. So they had to take all of the money that they'd spent months saving to buy their guitar to pay the bill. And had to spend six more months of working, plus getting Christmas money and other stuff to finally get their car, I mean, get their, um, their guitar several months later. The point I'm trying to make is it's so easy for you and I to want to run from the fire. It's so easy for you and I to try to shelter our children so they'll never go through pain, so they'll never have an issue. But could it be that now we have all kinds of bent arrows, bent character in our own lives and the lives of our children because we've not been willing to understand that God doesn't just select us. God is wanting to prepare us to be launched into the thing he has for us and we're never going to be ready until we learn to walk through the fire so that God can bend and shape and make us the person that he called us to be. I guess I'm stepping on some parents' toes right now. I don't know. (laughs) I guess if there's one thing that maybe this passage is trying to teach us, it's simply this. For ourselves, for our children, maybe we need to quit running from the fire. And maybe we need to let God shape us and use the fire to straighten the shaft so that we can fly to our destination. Anybody want to hit the target, say amen. Arrows are selected. Arrows are prepared. (coughs) Here's the third thing. Arrows are protected. Arrows are protected. I love the uh, passage in the scripture as we're reading about how that arrows are in the hand of a warrior. It says in Psalm 127 verse 5, it says, How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. How many know that when Dan and Kelly came up, we're like, they're very, very happy. They must be extremely happy because that quiver is packed full. (laughs) You see, a quiver was an important part of the arrow because, in fact, we have a picture here of, of a quiver. I brought a quiver with me. You see, what the quiver did is the quiver was a place to store the arrows so that when you were in battle... You could easily get to them. You could carry carry them. And usually it was a little bit of a harder case so that the arrow wouldn't be broken and that the feathers wouldn't be damaged. In other words, there had to be the right environment so that character and identity could be protected. See, the other part of the arrow that kind of ties into the quiver You have the shaft identity, you have the feathers character, and then you had the knock. The knock is this slit at the end of the arrow, and what you do is you put the arrow on the string, and when you do that, if you look at a knock, it's not cut into a V-shape, it's cut like a U. And the reason it's cut that way, and the reason it's designed is so that there is a boundary, there is a place 
that the arrow can sit comfortably so that it won't fall off, it won't fly off, it won't be, when the, finally the, 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 the string is released, the force of the string doesn't split the arrow down the middle. In the article that I read, I loved their, you know, example of what they thought that represented, and I, I would agree with it, and that is that the quiver or the, the knock represents relationship. The shaft is identity, the feathers are character, but the knock is relationship. You see, I want to tell you that you need to create a place of relationship for your children, a place of safety that they can come. There's safety in right relationships. There's safety in relationships with godly friends. There's safety in relationships with spirit, spiritually in tune and, and healthy Christians. There's safety in environments where there's people, Christian teachers, te- people that can make an impact, that can put them in this place of boundary. You know, one of the things we try to do with our family is to cre- create a safe place, a quiver, a knock, a place where our children can be where they know that there's safety. You know, my hope is, you know, sometimes we have to get aggressive with that. Sometimes we have to say, I know you want to go hang out with your friends, but you're eating dinner with us. I know you want to sit at the table and have your headphones in and, and listen to music, but you're going to talk. We want them to know that this is a place where they're loved. We want them to know that this is a place where they're accepted. We want them to know that this is a place where there is relationship. Because here's the thing. You want to see where your children will end up in 10 years? Take a look at the arrows that are in the quiver with them. Because we are a sum total of the relationships that we have in our life. If you want to know if your children are going to serve God or going to fulfill their eternal destiny, how many arrows are in their quiver that are spiritually mature, that have um, a care for them from an eternal perspective, not just a friend that wants to go out and hang out on Friday night. You see, the key to an arrow reaching its goal is it has to have the right relationships. It has to have the right arrows, the right quiver, the right boundaries, place of safety. I hope that higher vision is a quiver, a place of safety that you can come and find that you're loved, that you're accepted, that you're not judged. God is the judge. You know, sometimes we have people, and I I don't apologize, sometimes we have people who get a little aggressive and they want to be the judge, and they like to put on the robe and walk around and point at people. There's not many of those in our church. We're all tempted to put on that robe, aren't we? Because when we judge other people, it makes us feel better about us. One of the things we've learned is we let the Lord be the judge. We let the Holy Spirit be the one who teaches us. Now we teach a standard of truth, and sometimes in relationships you have to love someone and speak truth. But I I believe that this is an ark. I believe that this is a safe place where people can come and find out that they're loved and that God has a plan for them and that there is an identity, that they don't have to wander through life trying to figure out who they are, but they have an identity in Jesus Christ. This is a place, a safe place. Isn't it interesting that when the prodigal son ran off to do his own thing and the arrow shot off in the wrong direction, there came a moment where he came to his senses and he realized, I need to go back to my quiver. 
I need to go back where I can get a free meal. I need to go back where I'm not going to be judged for the bad things I've made. I need to go back to the place that I can have a roof over my head. If I have to be a servant, I'll be a servant. But I can go back because that's a quiver I know I can trust. And I want you to know that God wants you to build a place where your children, that you need to know that there's a place for you, that you can be safe, you can be loved, where God can do the things he needs to do in your life. You see, we need the right relationships in our life to help us reach our destination. The problem is, is we just, as parents sometimes, and even as arrows ourselves, we just let through random accident or through situations of life, we pay no attention to what arrows are in the quiver of our children. Can I tell you, that's one thing with my, my parenting, at least I learned from my parents. We pray over every arrow. I don't want one arrow in the quiver of one of my children that could influence them in the wrong direction. We have prayed people out of our children's lives. Don't look at me like that. Come on now. Sometimes it's not even a bad arrow. It's just going the wrong direction. Relationship. I want to show you a real quick verse. Y'all with me? Say amen. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19 says, <coughs> For I have known him. This is God speaking about Abraham. It's a beautiful picture about parenting, about this process. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. You know what that says? God says, to, says this about Abraham. Abraham's arrows are going to hit the mark because he has a relationship with me. So the big principle is with the right relationship, the arrow is healthy and hits its target. Arrows are selected. Arrows are prepared. And arrows are protected. I'm just going to make a statement. We live in a culture in this city... Everything is about our children. Well, I'm going to give my kids what I didn't have. I'm going to expose them to opportunity. They're going to play on every sport. They're going to be in every dance group. They're going to be in every drama. They're going to be in the chess club. They're going to get a car when they're 16. We're going to give them everything that we didn't have. Now, let me stop and say, I'm not against exposing your kids to opportunity, blessing them with things that you never had. I'm not not against any of those things. However, let me say this. You can get the best tutors. You can go to the best schools. You can buy the best home security system. You can shelter your kids with private or or homeschooling. You can hire the best therapist. But without God, there's still a hole that you can't fill. What did the scriptures say? Whoever builds the house without God, he's wasting his time. And so I just want to encourage you as you're praying that process through, How much energy are you devoting? How much energy are you allowing all of the influences to devote compared to how much time are you investing in putting your kids in the right quiver, in the right settings where they're building Christian relationships, have spiritual input in their life? Y'all with me? It's funny too. I'm just going to give you, can I... Can I just kind of be real and raw for a minute? Is that okay? I mean, I'm always honest, but 
I'm just going to be a little raw. It's, it's amazing to me, and it's sad when I sit with a parent who's struggling with a child now who's in adult life, and they're wayward doing their thing. And, and then I look back over the life of the story that I hear, <coughs> and I realize that 99.9% of the hours that was invested in that child had to do with sports. When, let's just be real, they're not going to be a professional athlete. Now, I know sports are important. I, I don't, I'm going to take, take away from that. I love sports. But do you realize how much time we invest in sports and in things like that? And then our kids grow up and they have no character. And you can develop character in sports. But my point is, is how much time are you devoting to the right quiver that will help them in life later on when the rubber meets the road and they're married and they don't need to know how to throw a football. They need to know how to get along with their spouse. I just made half of you mad at me. It's okay. Listen, I'm not trying to judge. I know I want you to know this is a safe place, but I want you to think. Maybe God's trying to adjust our perspective on the time. What kind of arrow does, do you really want to have? Do you want to have one that can hit a ball into a goal? Do you want to have one that can do a backflip? Or do you want one that knows how to, to stay faithful when everything's falling apart? Or one that knows how to cling to God when everybody's clinging to other things? Amen. I just say that because too many times God is the last choice and the leftover. And everything else is first. Y'all with me say amen. All right. You have to love me to get to heaven. That's so you know that. Arrows are selected, arrows are prepared, arrows are protected. And you ready for the last point? Arrows are released. Arrows are released. Psalm 127 verse 5 says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, <clears throat> so are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who is full and you know, has a lot of arrows. And then it says in verse 5, it says, he will not be put to shame... Chapter 127, verse 5, he will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the gate of the city. Somehow, there is this process where God releases victory over the enemies that would try to hinder the, the city. That's important because the, the gate was the place where decisions, deals were made, leadership was taking place at the city gate. That was the, that was the courthouse of its day. So the right decisions and the right influence to an entire city was being affected by what we do with our arrows. You see, the other part of the arrow that we forget is there's not just the shaft, which is identity, and the feathers, which is character, and the knock, which is the right relationships, but there's the point. And the point has to do with penetrating, hitting the goal, and making a mark. The reality is that every arrow, there comes a moment where it has to be released. 
Everybody over there started ducking. Eh? <laughs> what good is an arrow if it isn't released? We have to learn how to let go. And it's interesting because in order to do that, and I know that that's a, a complicated thing to discuss, but what does it mean to let go? And as I thought about that, you know, we could unpack that with a lot of things, but the Lord brought me to one passage of Scripture that I think is at least one takeaway that you can walk out of here with when it comes to the process of shaping and raising and selecting and all the process of the arrows. This one right here is important because there is the part of launching and, and helping initiate children, you and I being initiated. And it has to do with simply this idea. Mark chapter 1 we see that God released an arrow. In Mark chapter 1, God released an arrow. And here's the cool thing. That arrow hit its mark because the arrow he released was Jesus. And Jesus flew from this moment that we're going to read about. And he, how many say that Jesus hit his mark? So let's see one of the ingredients of releasing the arrow. If we read in Mark chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, but it's simply this. Jesus showed up at the river, and he looked at John the Baptist, and he said, baptize me. And John said, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, 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 this is an important process. Baptize me. So Jesus gets baptized in the water. He goes under the water, and when he comes up, guess what he hears? Guess what all that there were there heard? His father say, this is my son, and I am proud and pleased with him. And it was through this empowering word of identity and calling and, and God's love and belief in him that Jesus left that moment. He flew into the wilderness and defeated the enemy. And then he flew into Galilee and started doing miracles. And then he flew to the cross. He hit his mark and he saved and redeemed the world. And it all began with God releasing him by saying, I'm behind you. I believe in you. You're connected to me. You have a purpose. I love you. Go do what you're called to do. And let me say, our children need to hear us say, I believe in you. Our children need to hear us say, I'm pleased with you. Yes, you make mistakes, but you're not a, some, uh, you know, equation of the bad mistakes you've made. You are, not, you are connected. You are, are a new creature in Christ. Your identity is in me. So I see the potential in you. I see what's going to happen in your life. And I want to release you to the calling and the destiny because I believe in you. Oh, what would happen if you and I heard our fathers say this morning, even in the context of our mistakes, Trina, I believe in you. Paul, I believe in you. Roxanne, I believe in you. Dan, I believe in you. I believe that God is whispering that into the hearts of every arrow in this room. 
He believes in you. He is well pleased with you. And he wants to release you to your calling and your destiny. Could it be that maybe one of the things we can do in the releasing process is instead of always nitpicking our children and the mistakes they made and the things they do wrong and they didn't make their bed and they stayed up too late and they're on the phone too much, maybe we need to start saying things like, hey, God has a plan for you. I believe in you. God's going to do something great in your life. You're part of this family. You're part of his family. He has a purpose for you. God releases arrows. I want to read the story to you one more time, the beginning, and end with this. I want the worship team to come. This chapter, Psalm 127, is powerful when you look at its context. Many theologians believe that (coughs) this passage, it's, it's written by Solomon. And they believe the context of this passage is referring to a time when Solomon wrote this psalm when basically, here's, the, here's what happened. You see, God had spoken to David and said, David, Solomon is going to be the next king. Now, typically, the oldest son of the king was going to be the next king. The oldest son of the king at this time was Adonijah. Solomon was much younger. We even know that Solomon was from Bathsheba. So this child came out of a a relationship that started in adultery and murder. Isn't it awesome that God is a God of redemption? And how how out of a mess, how out of a, a test, he brought a triumph. And so God had said Solomon will be the next king. But here's what happened. Adonijah decided that he was going to be king. David was old at this time. He was kind of out of it, wasn't paying attention. He was very sick. And so because there was a void of leadership, and I just said, well, I'm the oldest son. I'm going to be king. And so he even got some of David's, you know, workers to join in with him. Joab, one of his army, you know, secret service detail, the guy who ran it all, Abiathar, one of the priests, And they said, okay, if you want to be king, you're king. And he would ride through the city on a chariot and they would proclaim the next king of Israel. And it was in this context that suddenly, I believe because Solomon was in the right quiver, he had the right relationships, that suddenly the prophet of the nation, Nathan, the one who came to David, remember? said, David, you're in sin, that one. The one who heard from God, the prophet Nathan, one of the great priests of the day, Zadok, Bathsheba, his mother, they went to the king. And through some planning and through, in the midst of when it looked like the house was going to crumble, when it looked like Solomon's dreams were falling apart, when it looked like suddenly he was going to fly off in the wrong direction rather than hitting the target and being the next king, when he had done all he could do, there was nothing he could do. It wasn't his fight anymore. He didn't know what to do. Suddenly, God stepped in, turned it around, and Solomon became the next king instead of Adonijah. And it was in that context that Solomon wrote these words. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do No good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest 
to his loved ones. Maybe you're here and you feel like you've tried everything you know how to do. You've done the best you can and yet everything is crumbling around you. Maybe instead of trying to do the best you can, you just need to step back and let God build the house. But pastor, I've already released the arrow and it's flying the wrong way. How do I grab it midair and and get it back and send it out again? You can't, it's already gone. Maybe you're here and you feel like you've got children off doing the things they shouldn't do. Maybe you're here and as an arrow, you're flying in the wrong direction. Well, guess what? Here's the good news. We serve a God who can do anything and he can redirect arrows mid-flight. He can turn a situation around, take one guy out and put another guy in. God has the way of redirecting arrows. And as I was praying this morning, what I sensed the Holy Spirit was saying to me, he showed me a vision and the vision was this. Arrows were flying in all directions and suddenly they just started recorrecting and they started heading in the right direction. And if you're on the wrong path or your children are on the wrong path, here's what I would encourage you to do. Quit getting up early and trying to figure it out. Quit working all day and going to bed late. Quit trying to expose your kids to that, this and there. Maybe instead you need to get on your knees and say, God, I'm giving up the city to you. I'm giving up the house to you. And I'm coming into the quiver of the Lord. And I'm inviting you in. And as you begin to invite him in, he's placed a DNA chip in every single arrow that has a GPS coordinate that can change its direction. Listen, with man, things are impossible. It looked like it was impossible for Solomon. But God stepped in and he redirected the arrow. And I'm speaking prophetically over you today that God can redirect your life. He can redirect your children. He can call a prodigal back. He can change your situation because God releases arrows. You feel like giving up? Here's the word. You are my son and I am proud of you. You are my daughter and I am pleased with you.